Hello and welcome to On The Ball, the podcast that isn't six foot tall or 18 years old, but still knows how to have a good time in an away end. You join us for episode 118 and I'm Steve Sanders, aka at NCFC Numbers, sitting in for Michael Bailey, who has wisely decided not to risk antagonising another set of Yorkshire natives. So a week that has yielded four points, a rise up to fourth place and perhaps a more optimistic forecast for Norwich City. And say it quietly, but are performances starting to become a tiny bit good? Well, just as well, there are always plenty of fixtures in the football calendar in November and December as we start to play our way into some kind of form. Plus, we'll be asking whether diamonds are forever, talking goal-scoring midfielders, keeping heroics, quick-fire goals, jumpers for thrones, and a club who simply cannot score against the Canaries. Here to analyse all of that and more, and to help me pad as I probably lose my way through this live broadcast at some point, we very helpfully have an expert panel, starting with... A man who has an enviable 100% win record watching Norwich City away from home this season. He's already taken his mic off mute, knowing that it's him who's, <laughs> who's about to be introduced. Um, it is, albeit, uh, played 1-1-1. One, one, one. Uh, Dan Brigham. Dan. Hello, Hello you, Steve. I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Um, we did see each other uh, on Saturday before the game, so fairly fairly well acquainted with uh, with each other, but not after the game. So, um, yes, I'm hoping that you had a good Saturday from sort of 3pm onwards. Uh, yes, all excellent. I'd say obviously not as, quite as good as, post, as pre-match. We're hanging out with you, which is always a delight. I say always, it's probably happened twice now. Uh, but yeah, really good fun. And the, and the game backed it up as well. Really yeah. good away day. You say always. It's it's occasionally a delight hanging out with me if I'm in the right if I'm in the right frame of mind. But you know, likewise, uh, we had we had a great time in the Bridge Inn. Would recommend. Uh, windows are boarded up from the outside. Very nice vibe on the inside. To so anyone going to Rotherham in future years, um, yes. Uh, there was a skeleton of a sausage dog on the bar as well. Just you know, just to add to the ambience. <laughs> yeah, it was quite the ambience, I would say. Um, anyway, uh, better introduce guest number two. Um, a Scottish man has scored for Norwich City, so we've rubbed our tartan lamp to summon up a Scot. <laughs> definitely felt better in writing that one. Uh, and arriving with a puff of smoke is Stuart Hodge. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, Good evening. Norwich City fans. It's been a long time. Yeah, I've has. not been on this in ages, but because Ken Kenny scored, I thought, um, i got to do it. Am I right in thinking the last time you were might have been the the um, preseason prediction pod? No, maybe before that. Maybe on that. I don't know, mate. To be honest, I lose track. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm sorry I asked. We have done our homework on this. this It's a well-oiled machine uh, without Michael. That's that's, that's what happens. Um, Well, moving swiftly on then. Um, I'll introduce our third guest. Um, we've we've allowed him some bereavement leave to come to terms with the sad passing of Wits End, but he's back and he's bouncing today. It's one half of the creators of the Twitterkers Twitter account, Callum Howard. Callum, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, too soon, actually. Too soon to I'm mention Twitterkers. It's left yeah. a, a deep and painful hole in my heart. Um, and I still tear up every time I hear Kenny Other Business. Um, and I I like to think that Kenny's goal at the weekend was a tribute to that very special segment yes. of, of the podcast. So. Yeah, I I I think I think he has said before that uh, mm. any time he scores now he's going to kind of raise one arm to the sky and say yeah. that was for wit's end. Um, yeah, I don't know whether he did come through that or not, but certainly it's uh, it's a tough one for all of us. Uh, we we all miss it dearly. I've got a question. Already, the because I, uh, I think Norwich City as a whole have done their own tribute by driving supporters to their wits end, like so far this season. <laughs> is is that a question, or are you uh, <laughs> putting that forward as a statement of fact? Um, uh, I'm I'm factualising it. I'm saying that's a statement of fact, mate. It's uh, quantifiable and verifiable. Well, um, please leave your uh, leave a comment if you agree with that. In fact, I haven't uh, left any anything in the script for comments. But if you would like to make a comment, you are still able to do that. Uh, we will be checking them. Um, in fact, I'm going to use this opportunity now to ask the panel if they would check for them. Uh, <laughs> if they can indeed see them, um, and we'll yeah, uh, I can see them. 
Well, Hodgie, Hodgie is himself, and I believe Callum has already commented as well. Wow. I have, yeah. We're, We're having a personal two... brand in there. <laughs> Hashtag a engagement. Yeah. Well, that's what you come for. We're, uh, you know, it's not a one way thing. We want to hear what you have to say, and then we'll also respond to it, potentially disagreeing with it. But, uh, you know, if it's a good point, we might not. Um, anyway, should we press on? Please do leave a comment, but in the meantime, uh, let's have the headline act. So far, I've pressed all the right buttons. So after an entertaining if goalless encounter at Carrow Road against QPR on Wednesday, Norwich City's dreams were made up at the concrete jungle of the New York Stadium in Rotherham on Saturday. The Canaries came away with three points thanks to uh, the aforementioned Kenny McLean scoring for a fifth consecutive season for Norwich City and an Aaron Ramsey winner that took just 22 seconds of football to create. Norwich have now won three straight away games in Rotherham by a 2-1 scoreline, only the second time in the last 50 years that they've won by the same score at the same ground three times in a row, the other being the last three 1-0 wins at Middlesbrough and more on them later. So, Dan, one or two moments of good fortune, but we've got the job done with the results. Um, was that more like the kind of sort of rollicking cut-and-thrust championship encounter that we're after this season? Uh, it was definitely blood and thunder. I'm not sure... It's what we're after, but it was good fun. It was a bit of a fight. Uh, Isaac Hayden and Max Aarons took on the entire uh, end behind the goal of uh, Rotherham fans. There were some dodgy yellow cards, a bit of play acting, some, uh, some robust challenges. Uh, one really great one from Isaac Hayden in, in early in the second half, actually. Um, yeah, it was good fun. It was a really good away day. Really annoyed the Rotherham fans who seem to uh, hate us um, and have done for, for a number of seasons now. Um, and it was a little step in the right direction again, uh, sort of on the back of a decent, cohesive performance against QPR and those final 20 minutes against Stoke, it's, it's backed it up. And one, what, I mean, I joined uh, in the chorus of people slightly bemused by the starting lineup, I think, and sort of pompously tweeted about why uh, Dean Smith was uh, leaving Todd Cantwell out of the starting lineup and changing formations. But to be fair to Smith, he, I think he absolutely got it spot on by changing to a diamond, uh, which looked pretty leaky when he did it against Preston, but looked much more solid in this game. And um, it does mean you get Sargent and Pukki playing in the same team without having to get Sargent out on the right. You get them both playing as centre forward. So formation-wise, personnel-wise, and more importantly than that, I think just commitment-wise, they absolutely did not want to lose that game. They wanted to win that game um, it was a real step in the right direction, I think, with many caveats, which I'm sure we'll get onto, but positive, I'd say. Um, Stu, are you uh, are you going to be listing off some of those caveats, or are you going to join Dan in the in the positive vibes? I think you've got to join in positive vibes. It's getting a wee bit better. Um, I admittedly have been, as per what I'm wearing, um, cavorting round about Europe following Celtic, so I haven't had my eye on the ball. <laughs> uh, quite as much as um, maybe in previous campaigns with Norwich City. But to be honest, I became pretty dejected watching the team. Um, and I've been fortunate enough, I've caught some of the last few games and, and watched the game against Rotherham. By the way, I want to just say, um, loved Chris Gorham. Uh, chance in his hand that a wee bit of Portuguese during the commentary. That was cool. You guys maybe well, weren't aware of that. that. Now, can, uh, can we have some uh, context to that? Well, he said that uh, Gabriel Sara will be obrigado. Um, for uh, for the for the assistance that he got, so um, doesn't that just mean think, thank you? Though? Does, that, does that mean over yeah. the moon? Oh, thank you. No, 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 no. So, um, okay, so Gabriel Sarah will be thank you for thankful, thankful for the for, for the work his teammates and um, I mean, bit of magic from him, which was 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 great to see. Um, I think it finally looks like Norwich City are actually playing a team befitting the sum of their parts in this division a wee bit at times, which I think has been the really distressing thing about watching Norwich City this season as they've clanked about like a bag of spanners when they actually have a team that is pretty well-tooled, um, just to keep the analogy going there, <laughs> um, pretty well-tooled for the division. So 
Aye, I, I think I think it's, it's a step in the right direction. I think we should be positive. Big positive to come out of me, uh, out of the game for me, and I think we've seen it in the comments there. Neil's mentioned it. Um, Max Aaron's block, and I think just his overall performance. It looks like a wee spell on the sidelines is kind of, I don't know, maybe reinvigorated him for the challenge that, I mean, I see lies ahead, but um, Max has been, been over the course a couple of times now, despite his tender years in this division, and... I thought he looked like the real Max Irons once again. So I, th- I think that was really encouraging. I like the idea, just to, to, to quickly expand on what you said, Dan, that um, there's a bit of fluidity in terms of formation because I think under Daniel Farker, it was um, barring like a couple of departures from it, pretty much a kind of um, one sort of system. And it was the people you plugged into that system. Um, I like the idea that we're working on some adaptability this year because I think if we are going to go up at some point and try and stay in the division above, then it's going to require a team that is capable of doing different things. Um, And I suppose the other positive, Isaac Hayden, um, totally different um, sort of snarling tenacity uh, that's, that's added there. And I think we need a bit more of that. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. There did seem to be plenty of that on display on Saturday. Um, it's interesting that you say that you've been fortunate enough to watch the last few games, Hodgie, because I think a lot of Norwich fans might say that, that there's been no fortune involved in that. Um, Callum, both Dan and uh, Stu have mentioned the uh, the diamond. Um, what was your what was your view on it? And um, you know, and I suppose generally, how have you seen the the midfield? Uh, this season was was that an improvement on Saturday? Yeah, it was a nice sort of Paul Lambert era nostalgia about it. Um, reminded me of you know the diamond that we used to play in those sort of three good years, um, and and I think it it does a very similar thing to what it did for us. There was it gives us a fluidity in the middle of the park. It can be slightly flatter. And you can have sort of Sarah and Kenny sitting back a little bit, or uh, Isaac Hayden can be sitting right back and allowing, um, allowing especially Gabby Sarah to just go forward and be incredible. Um, and I'm excited to see what that does for Nunez as well. And and if if we can, if we can find a sort of a settled formation, I'd love to see Nunez plugged into that. But as um Hodgie was just sort of mentioned there is is that I don't think Dean Smith is going to have one system um Daniel Farker to utter his name and and I'm not going to say his name through rose tinted glasses like half of Twitter um his plan B was to play pan A better um and we all complained about that and now we've got a coach that likes to experiment and likes to match up to teams and is very intelligent about changing tactics as long as we don't move away from his four core fundamentals that I don't think he's actually told us what they are. He's just told us that there are four (laughs) core fundamentals. Um, And I think that's, that's a good thing is that, is that we can be progressive enough to match a team rather than just trying to, shove a square peg in a round hole like we did for the first half of last season in the Premier League and the year before that because I think we've seen that if you go up with a one particular style that may have worked incredibly well in the championship but unless you've got billionaire owners that can buy you very very expensive players to do that system without fault we have to do ourselves some favors so Mm. i i really like the diamond and i think it worked incredibly well um but i'm not holding my breath on seeing it every week but i don't think that's a bad thing i i Mm. think it's that flexibility and that progressive approach towards formation is actually is probably going to be a little bit more intelligent for us this season and is future proofing us for when we for for when we go up to the yes, league. which which will be obviously uh, in May, if not soon. Exactly. I would have thought. Um, not for yeah, January. Yeah, 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 yeah. All March. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what the four fundamentals are, but one of them is surely uh, just just play Sam Byram somewhere. Just uh, yeah. get him in the team at all costs. And then there's there's three others somewhere. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to kind of 
go on too much about the midfield, but um, I think it does suit. Uh, obviously, Hayden at the base is a is a great fit for that. I think I think McLean on the left hand side of that midfield, that kind of I was getting slight sort of Simon Lappin vibes from him um, on Saturday. Um, but the, obviously, Sarah we can talk about as well. But I would like to talk about Aaron Ramsey, who now has three goals in three games. Um, there was a lot of talk about Todd last week, um, and yet it's Ramsey who played at the tip of that diamond. Um, Dan, what's your, what's your feeling on him? I, I sort of feel like he's got a bit of a, a tough time because he's not our youngster, but he's he's kind of getting the job done at the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, although you would also say that Todd probably gets a tougher time because he it was and still <laughs> is very as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's an interesting player, isn't he? He sort of drifts out of games uh, quite a lot. That may be down to the fact that we're not quite as sort of uh, possession heavy as we as we previously were so it's natural for a number 10 to drift out of games a little bit but what he does do and what Sarah is also doing when he's playing is getting making those sort of late runs into the box and adding goal scoring options behind Pookie and Sargent which um uh which we didn't have last season in the Premier League at all so he is getting he's providing that and he's he's clearly an intelligent footballer he links up play quite nicely um he his movement is really good and he's Obviously, kind of enjoying playing uh, in that diamond with two strikers in front of him as well. He's obviously he's obviously got a lot to work on. Back with his back to goal, he's he's quite poor at the moment. He sort of leaves, loses the ball quite easily as well. But he's making an impact. Um, and after his first couple of appearances, I'm not sure many people um, kind of expected that to happen really. But he, he's been excellent, I think. And just and just on that diamond as well, what it can do when it works and functions. Um, and we saw this on Saturday, is allow our full-backs to get further up the pitch. And they were noticeably further up the pitch on Saturday, which obviously helped Max. And what we didn't do when we played the diamond against Preston uh, was provide any cover for when our full-backs did go up the pitch. But Hayden was doing that, Sarah was doing that, Kenny was doing that. It seemed a more cohesive diamond. But that caveat again is we were playing against a team with probably one of the worst midfields in this division as well. So it would be interesting to see how it, if we do indeed play the diamond again on Saturday in Spira, how it functions against a midfield that, you know, is, although not firing this season, is sort of palpably better and does include uh, the legendary Johnny Housen in there as well. Yes. And again, again. more on him later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and he, he would absolutely love to play in, on the right hand side of that diamond. And I think may have done a few times under. Well, Lambert. when he first came in under Lambert, he was, he was part of that diamond, wasn't he, mm. in the Premier League? Yeah. And just, just, and he, he himself is a diamond. Right, that's the, that's the key part. Yeah. York, a good Yorkshire diamond. Um, who, who loves fishing? Is that? Am I right in thinking that? That's, that's yeah, yeah. Like one of my favourite things about Johnny Housen is there was a big interview. I think I've told this story on some podcast at some point before. There was a big interview with him asking why he'd, he'd gone to Norfolk, and he's like, I like fishing, fly fishing, the Norfolk Broads. Great for that. <laughs> And, um, he, bought, he bought himself a camper van as well, didn't he, to go fishing in as well around the Norfolk Broads. I mean, they don't need so like they used to, do they? Like, <laughs> um, that leads me on nicely to another man who's probably loves fly fishing and has got his own camper van to drive around Norfolk, Gabrielle Sarah. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sort of obliged to say that there was a moment of Brazilian magic for the goal. I don't, you don't say that about any other nation, do you? But because he's Brazilian, it was Brazilian magic. Um, but then also had a big hand in Rotherham's equaliser as well. So um, it seems to be, it seems to be getting more confident though. In my eyes, does anyone want to talk about the Sarah effect? I thought he had a good game on Saturday, and he's looking more and more like worthy of his place in the team. I think we've, I think we've had to sh- show some patience to see that, and I think there was a lot of questions asked, and there a lot of mess thrown in Dean Smith's direction that we'd spent all this money on this player and we haven't seen him play yet um, but I tell you what I, I'm really starting to get excited for what we could possibly see yes I still think he has some adaptation to do to this league but as you were saying them those late runs that little bit of um, creative spark um, and, and, a, and a, a real passion as well um, I've sort of I watched him for, um, I think it was Aaron Ramsey's goal, 
Um, and he sort of just stands there and just throws two arms up in the air and just looks around for people like he's completely stunned and like he's obviously somebody that really really loves playing football he loves scoring he loves being on that winning side and I think he'll bring that that positivity and 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 that energy um, to to the side and I I I think yeah okay he's he's probably he's probably got a little bit of sort of culture adaptation but i can think of another south american that took that probably gave away quite a few loose balls and red cards in his time but we certainly don't look back on him with any kind of regret so um yeah i'm excited yes (laughs) yeah yeah he's talking about emmy buendia everyone Um, yeah, well, and if he's half the player that Emmy was, then obviously I think we we definitely take that. Just on. on Sarah, it was the preseason pod I was on because we spoke about his shoulders. Oh yeah, yes. oh, that's right. Just after I think he'd been um, hit, like a, a fifty foot effigy of him had been put up outside the ground. You know, no pressure there. Um, I think I described him as the next uh, Vadis or Dijerafoe um, on that, which um, you is... did and. Can 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 I just ask, like, how do how do we feel the shoulders are like measuring up so far specifically of his entire body, like the shoulders specifically? How do you feel? Wait, he's, I, I don't, shoulders I don't want to be controversial here, but I reckon it's his body shape is slightly more hunched than hench. Maybe <laughs> I think there's, there's a sort of sloping, uh, sloping nature to his shoulders. It's like a reverse Sterling, mm. isn't he? Whereas Sterling kind of like is very sort of like. <laughs> banana shaped like that and he kind of runs he runs like this with his really arched back sarah's kind of like the other way and i I feel like he's it's that low center of gravity and he's kind of like hunched over ready to barge people off the ball which he did brilliantly which he did brilliantly um against rotherham and with that little piece of magic produced an excellent moment he does look like he's always sort of checking to make sure his uh, shoelaces are tied correctly as well, which is <laughs> fundamental to being a good footballer. You know, you don't want to be tripping over those, do you? Yeah. Can, can I ask, actually, like, what's, what's, what's like, uh, other famous gates in Norwich City history? Like, other famous football-playing gates that we've seen at the Cara over the years? Huckerby definitely had a style that was kind of... Like slightly individualistic, like the way he kind of dribbled and sort of moved his body. I thought Darren Eady was very hunched as well, um, mm. and I think his massive shorts that Darren Eady wore made him look like they were too heavy for him. That's why he was sort of stumbling forward the whole time. I, would I mean, Grant, we can't talk about. I mean, we've got to talk about Grant Hanley, who sort yeah. of runs like a. Uh, a frog trying to escape from a predator. <laughs> Particularly when he's got uh, a forward bearing down behind him <laughs> yeah. and he's slowing down to try and win a free kick. Do you know something? That Oh, sorry. I, oh, I was just, just going to go on. Go oh, and on, you go, Callum. I was going to say, Close's run when he scored that goal against Ipswich where he kind of ran a bit like um, uh, the Rolling Stones. Like, he just sort of like like put his arms back and trotted his way over to the corner flag and then headbutted it. That was uh, one of my favourite Norwich City runs. Like he was desperately trying to shake his own head off his shoulders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am um, just on the weekend's game. Like I, I actually think uh, the defender in the front foot thing was one of the things that I really liked. There was at least two or three moments where Grant Halley stepped up beyond his man to make a, an interception and it immediately had Norwich City moving on the front foot. And I think we've been quite passive in terms of trying to win the ball in the in the bits of football that I've seen this season. Um, and it was refreshing to see... Like It seemed that everything's been quite reactionary, whereas I actually felt there was a sense of assertiveness about, about that display. Um, I mean, obviously, Rotherham away. Uh, that said... Like my my one trip to Rotherham ended with Nelson Oliveira red card and um, Frank Sinatra booming out at ridiculous volumes <laughs> at the end of the game. Uh, so I like it was it was good to see that for for, for Hanley and I think I, I wonder just if some like shifted some switched mentally because there just seemed to be a bit more purpose and wherewithal about. I- body language and about the way they, they put themselves about. 
I would I would say that I, I agree with that definitely. I would say that probably comes from having a proper holding midfielder, doesn't it? The defense defender can mm-hmm. step out, um, take that kind of risk to get on the front foot because he knows there's more cover there. You know, like when we had Skip and like and when we had Teddy, that adds that kind of confidence to do that. And I think Hayden just really sort of led from the front against Rotherham. I thought against QPR he looked absolutely knackered. Yes. Um, looked like a massive piece of furniture being wheeled around the midfield quite effectively, but still looked really tired. But on Saturday, he, he looked sprightly um, and sort of dominated that midfield. And I think that kind of leadership has been missing in the centre of the park um, and probably does rub off um, on the rest of the players as well. Yeah, I, I like the idea that you can have an effective piece of uh, furniture being wheeled around uh, midfield, and it could could still do a pretty decent job. You know, just just stick a futon out there, and it might it might still work. Um, I th- I think on that note, um, because really the first two sections are fairly interchangeable anyway. Let's move on to things we are not going to talk about. Um, so uh, for those of you who haven't listened before, it's the things that we're not going to talk about that we are going to talk about, but we're not going to talk about. Hope that's clear. That's great. If you don't understand it by now, you probably never will. Um, so uh, first thing, I want, and I hate talking about decisions, but, you know, if, the penalties. Do we want to talk penalties? Do we want to talk a dive? Do we want to talk a handball? Uh, are we are we veering into Dean Smith post-match press conference here? Do we, do we just want to say which one we thought was more of a penalty out of the two <laughs> that weren't given at either end? Um I mean, it, it, the handball is a stonewall penalty. Well, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, ridiculous. it's just a stonewall as Hanley's against um, Burnley. Just mm. pretty, very, very similar to that. The And I don't think the, their shout was a penalty. It's, it's uh, And I, I'm not the kind of fan who's biased like that. I thought we should have given... Hanley gave away a penalty against Stoke, which wasn't given. I, I, it's a coming together. Hayden is slightly stronger um, there's no sort of contact, there's no tripping or anything like that. That It is not a penalty. Uh, that's my two pence anyway. I, I think we probably look like we all concur with that. Um, in which case, we haven't done QPR yet, have we? So um, have we got anything to say about what I thought was a reasonably decent nil-nil? Callum, did uh, did you catch it? Did you? What, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, um, I listened to the dulcet tones of Chris Gorham for that one. Um, was he speaking Portuguese or...? No, no. Um, he was uh, sleep, uh, speaking between yawns, I think, actually. Um, <laughs> no, it was a very entertaining nil-nil, um, but I don't have much more to add than to what's been said. I think if we took our chances, we could have easily have won that game, and that's probably a game that if we played maybe after the World Cup game, maybe in the second half of next year, where maybe we're a little bit more confident, then we may have got a one maybe a 2-0 win, you know, and we would have been one of those games where we would have said, yeah, the confidence, the luck was on our side and, and we nicked that one. Whereas the confidence, the luck just wasn't on our side, but I still think, you know, we we were we were solid, we were assured. Um, and that's really at this point all I can really ask for is because I think the goals will come. It's just that sort of solidity that I'm focusing on. In, in fairness to you, we were speaking before the podcast and you pretty much said, I have nothing to say about KPR. So I kind <laughs> I of did not really. That my, was uh, really <laughs> No, well, you know that's that's uh, that's that's what we do to the uh, to the you know first first time on this season you've got to have a little test. Um, quick mention for Angus Gunn, uh, man of the match in that game and player of the month for October. Not a bad October for him considering he wasn't in really in the team and hadn't played a league game I don't think before um, at the start of the month. Um, and the club going to Dubai I believe over the World Cup break. Um, I, I, I'm assuming. If, uh, that Dean Smith, there's there's no result on Saturday. You know, I mean, we have talked a little bit about his future, I think, on this podcast, but I'm guessing seven points from nine. He is now looking secure um, until we restart at, at the very at the very soonest. I would have thought. Yeah, and... I think I think you're probably right. I think the jury is still out. Probably, I think a posit- We need a positive result against Borough still um, to start edging towards convincing more people, I think, that he's the right man for the job. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the, if, we, if we don't get a positive result in that game, um, then, yeah, there'll be a, we'll be going to World Cup break with similar sort of issues as we've seen this season, I think. But I think we can probably be positive enough after the last couple of performances to think we can 
um, get a good result against Borough. Hmm. Yeah, it feels like direction of travel is good. Um, does does anyone else have anything that they don't want to talk about? Just, um, just one. Yeah, go on, Callum. I have just just that you know I, I think it's incredible that we we managed to get that result when we had our uh, the awful player that is Ben Gibson, the awful player that is Kenny McLean. Mm-hmm. In our team, the awful player that's McLean. Sorry, Ma- sorry. McLean. Let John McLean. McLean. Sorry, McLean. it's McLean in Portuguese, I think. Yes, <laughs> See, it's, it's my Portuguese heritage. Um, I, you know, yeah, I just think I, I, I thought it was a real statement performance from some characters in, in the squad, and I'm not going to talk about some of the unfair criticism that they get. Um, particularly on certain platforms and certain um, public phone-in radio stations. Um, and I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, but I also don't want to talk about how lovely it was to see Ben Gibson kind of step forward a little bit and play a couple of balls, which is something that we haven't seen since that since that record-breaking championship season. You know, and there was quite a few goals that were started from a Ben Gibson ball from the back to a certain Argentine up front. And okay, I okay. think, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> he made a couple of substitute appearances for Farkas. Um <laughs> And I think that was lovely to see because I think that was a, a an interesting and completely different dimension to that, that Farker team. And it, I think... Obviously, this side is no stranger to lumping the odd ball up the pitch um, when they've run out of options um, to the detest of most people in the stands. Um, but yeah, I don't want to talk about how these awful, awful players that we have in our team, for the audio listeners, I'm doing air quotes, um, that actually I thought had a really, really good game and made made a couple of statement performances. Yep, amen to that. Um, Hodgie? Uh, I'm going to talk, not talk, talk, not talk about um, uh, a couple of things. So on the basis of, um, I I think it's worth remembering, you're talking about what it's like going forward, Callum, record-breaking defensive run that Hanley Gibson anchored at this level. I think the interesting thing for me is uh, what, what we're trying to establish a more solid base but for going up to the Premier League, um, whether that's tactically or whether that's in terms of personnel or whatever way you're trying to do it, I think the key thing is managing to do it in such a way that we can actually bridge the gap this time. Because what was a pretty solid team, the second Farca title winning season was built on, kind of reminded me of Mourinho's Chelsea in a sense, and that it was a lot of 2 0 ish wins. <laughs> Um, That's not a comparison I think we've ever had on this. Not podcast. stylistically, I should say. <laughs> just, just in terms of just in terms of the fact that we would we would get two goals then cruise. Um and rather than the I mean swashbuckling symphony, I think is my, my favourite choice of words for the <laughs> um for the first Farca title campaign. So I think it's quite good to see that partnership reinstigated, but then that obviously raises the question um about what what do you do with um, the potentially twenty thirty million pound centre back that you have in your books, you know. So I think that's that's an interesting thing to to, to maybe think about. Um, and a second thing is a question in from Mark King, just in the back of the gun thing. Um, do you think Krull is no longer first choice keeper? Um, which I think is probably the case now. Uh, what do you guys think? Well. Dean Smith certainly thinks it's the case right now. Um, I was asking the question, will we see him back um, as Norwich number one? I'm not so sure. I mean, it's kind of down to Angus, I suppose. You know, once you've got the shirt, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of a lot easier to lose it than it is to gain it back because you're just not getting the minutes. So I would say it really depends on Angus's form, but I don't see him kind of getting a lot worse I think he's one of the players that has looked better under Smith than he did under Farker albeit with a sort of two three year gap in between um and I wouldn't be surprised Tim being now 34 35 um that he might want to finish his career somewhere else so I think he's no longer first choice keeper right now I'm not sure we'll see him again other than unless other than in cup games and if Angus gets injured that would be my thought um, anyone got anything to add to that? 
or any point are there any other things that you don't want to talk about dan you're frozen on the screen with your finger like that so i'm not taking that to oh. mean you want to come in no you're back am i frozen i'm back right excellent uh yeah this is an obvious thing to say but probably doesn't get said enough this season but pookie in the last couple of games last three games has been outstanding without getting a goal he was absolutely critical to the goals against stoke and it was absolutely critical to the goals again on Saturday. His, his running has been tireless. Um, mentally, in terms of his movement and his football intelligence, he's still way too good for the championship. Um, and I think yeah. he'll be very glad now to have uh, a strike partner in Sargent as well, so he doesn't have to do it all himself. I thought, I th- just think he's been fantastic. And it was nice to see that link up between Max to midfield to Sargent and then to Puki which was sort of the, similar to when we used to link up between Max, Emmy or Steeperman to Puki. And that was sort of, we saw that again on Saturday. And just one other quick thing, furniture again, but the New York Stadium, stadium not having a clock. So we had no idea how many minutes were gone <laughs> during the game. It was a real pet hate of mine, despite the fact they have a big screen, which was just telling us how to follow them on LinkedIn and Facebook. And, and that Kings Lynn had uh, advanced yeah. from the first round of the FA Cup. So we couldn't see the time of our own game or the score of our own game, but we could <laughs> see the score of Doncaster versus Kings Lynn, which was, uh, I don't know whether, was that a touch, was that a nice touch for us? Or, uh, I mean, I'd have rather known the score of our own game. Uh, yeah, or just how many minutes were left that, you know, that kind yeah, of Yeah, that would have also, yeah. It <laughs> doesn't feel like too much to ask about. <laughs> The uh, the concept of time maybe hasn't uh, hasn't reached Rotherham yet. Um, God, if they weren't pissed off with us before the New York Stadium and no Time Square on the scoreboard. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> bit of workshopping that one maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just on the just on the Pookie thing, right? Like, do you think he's adapted his game a wee bit? Because I think he actually has adapted his game to playing with a partner. It almost seems like he's moving. Like he's doing less of the kind of running in the channels and pockets movement. It's more like sort of making angles off, and well, it's just just testament to his intelligence that like you speak of. That I guess he he he's only ever really played with a partner until he came to Norwich under Farker, which is really the first time he's. I mean, I think at Celtic he played with a partner most of the times. He, he certainly did. He played wide left actually. Like it was interesting. He tended to play most of these games coming in off the left hand side. Yeah. Um, and when I was, uh, I had a conversation no long after he was brought in with um, a couple of people at the club, and they suggested that it was actually his goals to game time ratio at Celtic was more impressive than the the general consensus of how the spell went. Um, and I think that's that's proven to be the case given his goals to game ratio. With us. Well, yeah, we bought him in as a either a wide player or a ten, really. It was only when Jordan Rhodes got injured and Farker stuck him up top on his own, and that's when the magic started. So, I think I guess he's, but certainly with Finland, he always plays up top with a strike partner. So, hopefully, it's second nature to him. I mean, what's interesting about Puki's numbers this season is that he is getting, well, he's got six goals and four assists, and not normally he's very high, obviously on the goal tally in. Uh, championship seasons at least but doesn't get that many assists and those assists haven't counted uh the shot against Stoke that was saved and then either of the two um from Saturday so if you were to throw them and then technically he's provided more goals than he's scored so it does seem like this year the goals are being shared around a lot more but Puki is still absolutely central uh to still the majority of goals that that go in the opposition's net so um yeah, still absolutely key. I feel obliged at this point, uh, as Michael, I'm sure, would mention that he is out of contract along with a lot of other players in the summer. Um, but uh, maybe And that... not on the 2023 calendar, I'm led to believe. Mm. Mm. Make of that. Read into that what you will. <laughs> maybe they just don't think he's one of our 12 most marketable players, you know? <laughs> you know, you can't. You can't compete with the likes of Josh Sargent right now. It's uh, he's he's in a league of his own. Um, anyway, have we got? Uh, if, if we've got no more other things that we're not going to talk about, then um, let's look ahead. John Motson. This is almost fantasy football. Okay, this is quite easy this week because Norwich City only have one fixture. Uh, and in fact, only have one fixture in the next 33 days. And that's at home to Middlesbrough on Saturday before they sign off for the World Cup break. 
Uh, Borough currently on the longest run without scoring against Norwich City uh, of any team to play the Canaries in their history. 712 minutes and counting. Uh, that gives me a chance to wheel this quiz question out again. Um, the last goal Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough scored against Norwich City was in 2015. Can anyone remember who scored it? Alex um, Tetty. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Tet scored the last goal. 2015. Um, yes, the Brexit referendum hadn't even happened at that point so uh, what a what a different world it was that's, that's um, when borough thought they'd basically sealed promotion automatic promotion wasn't it and had beaten us four nil uh in the other game that mm. season uh and yeah looked looked a real force and then obviously the rest is uh is history with us coming back to to beat them in some game that happened after that i can't remember um callum i'll, I'll come to you first um well, you've already talked up Ben Gibson, so uh, can Norwich keep a clean sheet uh, and extend the run? My my heart says, of course we can. My head says, then along came Norwich. Um, whenever these facts are wheeled out, I always think, here we go again. I'm the same. Um, <laughs> Sorry just, about that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the happy medium that I will take is that, yes, they will score against us, but we will score more than they will. Um, and uh, the past two performances to go by, I think we've got a we've got a good chance. They're in a they're in a less better position than some of the teams that we've played recently. And even though we've been playing sort of bitty so far this season, I still think we've been able to pick up results against teams lower down in the table. So, um, yeah, I think I'm I'm surprised to see a team like Middlesbrough that far down, and I think they will probably come good at some point. But I'm quietly confident, as I always am with with Norwich. I I think to use the use the uh, worn out analogy so far that we have turned the corner somewhat, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how again coming off what I was talking about earlier about our sort of dynamic approach to things i'm interested to see how we're going to approach this game and how we're going to line up and and how dean smith's going to tackle tackle middlesbrough because i think it will be different to how we lined up at the weekend and i think it will be different to how we lined up against qpr because i think that's the team that we are now yes absolutely and it yeah whether we stick with the diamond or not will be interesting to see dean smith not normally one uh to name an unchanged team um Stu. Uh, I was going to do a sort of great English centre midfielders, Michael Carrick, Johnny Housen joke, but as we've already spoken about Housen, I mean, you're shaking your head, but uh, can I remind you of no time square? Um, <laughs> literally, <laughs> oh, not just, 10 uh, minutes just, ago. I just um, don't want it, um, to turn into Scotland v England. It usually does. <laughs> what, Middlesbrough v Norwich? Well, no, that's the Kieran Scott derby, mate. Come on. Oh, of course it is. Oh, well, in that case, as we've done Johnny Housen, would you like to talk about Kieran Scott? Or you could just talk about whether you think Norwich City will win this football match. Well, right. The cynic in me says that because some very friendly person who I've just been sort of having a bit of a, a, bit of a tiff with on a podcast is getting me a ticket for the game, <laughs> I will be there. I'll be watching the Canaries in the flesh. I was, I was beginning to think there, who, who else have you had a tiffle with on a podcast? And then I realised. <laughs> uh, it's my first game since uh, before COVID. So it's a long, long, long time since I've seen Norwich City in the flesh. And the last game that I saw them in was the last game before COVID when we did something rather special against Spurs. Um, I, I think... Uh, I, I, I think the cynic in me goes, I'm going to be there, so we're going to be rubbish. But, um, <laughs> and I, I do have like the kind of feeling that everything kind of points to an Orish City win, and I'm, I'm not that confident in this team yet. But the one thing that I do get is I kind of get the sense, and you're alluding to it there, Callum, that Dean Smith, for all of the criticism and all of the, I mean, the, there was a pretty abject run for a wee while there. You get the sense that he's kind of he's beginning to like get a feel for his personnel, for the squad, for the different ways that he can deploy them. Um, and I think if he sticks by the courage, his convictions, and the players deliver a performance, then Norwich City should win. But um, in terms of consistency of application, because the talent 
the talent is undoubted. I think we've got the best squad in the division, probably. Um, consistency of application and consistency of the tactics actually working in a way that it best extols the virtues and gives a platform to the players to produce performances that will win you points. I've still to be convinced. So I kind of think this is a good opportunity for Norwich City to... I mean, it's kind of hard when you're in the top six to call it damage limitation, but given the expectations that the club have, we've won the league the last two times we were in it. Um, after a pretty poor run there, I think this is a chance for Norwich City to almost end the first segment of the season in a high, because I've mentioned, I think it's, it's obviously it's becoming a reality now. This is basically two separate seasons. It's too many seasons that we're calling one season. Um, it should have an asterisk in, in many ways, in my opinion, similar to the COVID season would have, um, given the nature of it and the denouement of it. So, I I think what we can do is we can we, we can end the the first section in the top six, having not played at our best. And Dean Smith, when he was at Aston Villa, was one of the the managers that best used the COVID break because prior to that, Villa were sinking like stone. And he actually used that period to work on, on various sort of tactical nuances and things like that to make them a much tougher nut to crack uh, at the other side of that break when football started again. So obviously not as, as long a break this time, but if he can use that time as uh, as well as he did at Villa, then I, I think that's that's something that could bode really well for us moving forward and, and what remains of the campaign. But I, I win at the weekend would would certainly it would end this first section of the season in a real high and, and give us something to build on. Yeah, I wonder what his like I wonder what his secret is. What's he gonna do in that month in uh, in Dubai? I don't know whether he's gonna get more furniture out there, more mobile furniture out there on the pitch. Um Dan, what do you reckon? Are we gonna stick with the diamond? Are we gonna uh, are we are we gonna chop and change again? How's uh, are we gonna go and change for this one? Maybe maybe we are. Maybe uh, maybe Dean Smith uh, will surprise us all by not uh, changing it this time. Um, <laughs> the old double bluff. It is. It's uh, it's a bit of a fun. Middles. I mean, Middlesbrough were mine, and I'm certainly not alone in this. Quite a lot of people's picks to win mm. the title uh, this season, uh, which uh, in retrospect is quite embarrassing. But they have a good squad at this level, um, and now they've got kind of a young, interesting manager. And it feels like maybe at the wrong time to play them. Mm. Um, by all accounts, they absolutely dominated Bristol City. Just got a draw there at the weekend, but had a whole lot of shots on goal. Had a quick scan of uh, a couple of match reports and the Middlesbrough were far, by far the better side, apparently. But with you know, if you're a neutral, you probably look at this game and think uh, on a decent run, Norwich now, they probably should win it. And I think... Um, take the sort of slight new manager bounce out of the equation that Middlesbrough might get and look at where they are on the table and the fact they've lost six out of their nine away games this season um, and you'll kill a stat about us not conceding in, what, 700 games yeah. uh, or whatever it is, then, yeah, I think there's enough momentum. And what and uh, repeating myself here, but what I really like from the Rotherham performance is that sort of the attitude they had in that game and it felt like a team that knew how to win a game, a game, rather. It sort of... Everything they've been through last season in the Premier League, everything they've been through this season, they're still their muscle memory is still there. They know how to win games, and they know how important going into this game is. I think to finish before the three-week break on a high. Um, so yeah, I, th I think I'm fairly confident I'll go for a, a win uh, with a Johnny Housen forty-yarder for for Middlesbrough, just for a bit of fun <laughs> as well, just so we can stand up and applaud that while also applauding our own win. Yeah, that would literally be the perfect outcome, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, does it, I guess, alluding to what Stu was saying, does it feel important that uh, we get a win to see us through to that World Cup break a month without a game? I kind of think back to the COVID, um, where I think, I have a feeling, I might be wrong about this, because I think you said it was Spurs, and you might actually be right, but I have a feeling they lost to Sheffield United after that, and that was the final game. And I'm not saying that My was... Bad. Sorry, <laughs> just call. We've had another tiff, Stu. I'm calling you out. Um, I'm not saying that that was a precursor to how you know the nine defeats or whatever that that followed, but uh, yeah, it kind of feels like it would be a it would be a good one to win ahead of what's quite a tricky looking fixture list around the Christmas period. What do you think, Callum? Yeah, I am. Um, 
I'm crossing that bridge when we get to it. Um, I think I I I like what you said about Dean Smith using the COVID break. That sort of brought that period of time that I'd mentally blocked out uh, back to me, and actually how you know we thought Villa were coming down with us. Um, or we thought that we were going to stay up instead of Villa, and they came back and they were, they were actually pretty good. So, um, I'm interested to see what they do in Dubai. There's a there's a great comment here. Another one from Neil Luther. Uh, is it wise Dean Smith going to Dubai? Uh, Dean Smith does strike me as somebody that could get a skin, uh, a suntan from a holiday brochure. Um, so I I think I'm looking forward to seeing Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare with nice sort of nicely tanned skin well, and shaky some... would, would probably rock an excellent hand wouldn't he i feel like yeah. he... no yeah. actually i think he looks typical of the kind of person you find in benedorm no yeah. no yeah exactly i he's, think he he's would gonna burn, have like but... a white vest outline <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well he, he's never not in shorts is he so his his legs no. will will almost <laughs> certainly be tanned um but exactly so i think he's the kind who would get he'll go to Benidorm, he'll be red for a few days, but then he'll come back for the Swansea game. Looking It'll incredible. look good when you come home, but during the actual trip to Dubai, he's going to look like he's been sitting in front of a smelting furnace. <laughs> Is that going to be on the City 360 video? Um, shaky in front of a smelting furnace, trying to get himself a tan in Dubai. I'm looking forward to the City view, because I've no doubt that the, the, the video guys will go with them to Dubai. Um... It must be nice working for them and getting a nice holiday out to Dubai to go and film some footballers playing for a bit. Um, and I can just—I've just got visions of O'Neill putting after Sun on shaky shoulders or something, just, <laughs> just it, or or a TikTok, one of O'Neill's TikToks, like I don't know, drawing something inappropriate on Shaky's back <laughs> in sun cream or something. Or uh, did you ever get a trip to Dubai when uh, when you were? At- at the club, Dan? No, I uh, sent myself to a pre-season friendly in Ireland and as a really great... And I sent someone else to cover the Germany tour as uh, um, for a a couple of weeks, which uh, by all accounts was much more fun than going to Ireland, uh, which is when Johnny Housen refused to train um, to try and get his move through to Middlesbrough. But it was the friendliest refusing to train, I imagine, in the history of football, though. (laughs) very apologetic about it because his agent had told him to do it. Did he go fashion? In Ireland, no, he wouldn't have had time. He was too busy on the phone to his agent trying to get him to a sunny Middlesbrough instead. It's also when we fashion, signed Harrison. Fashion for the move. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pulled it back, Stu. Um, we'll just, uh, just have a quick check through the comments. Um, Tom King says, can we really see Norwich giving us a relaxed World Cup break by getting... No, that was my point, Tom. Like, I just... I I can't see that happening. And then also the fact that I'm going to be travelling all the way from Scotland to be there. No. (laughs) None of the signs are good. Um, I should just add as well that um, Sky... Well, if you're a football fan, never arrange your Christmas holiday uh, until Sky have decided to... to, uh, decide what fixtures they're going to screen because uh, our entire Christmas fixture list has been changed. Uh, Luton's now at 7.45 on Boxing Day. Reading's been moved. Uh, Luton away, I should say. Uh, so that'll be fun for anyone wishing to make that uh, trip on Boxing Day. Reading's been moved from the 29th to the 30th of December. That one's at Carrow Road. And Watford, which will also be at Carrow Road, moved from the 1st to the 2nd of January. Um so, yes, that's one to look out for after the break. Um, we will also be taking a break during the World Cup, the podcast that is, uh, which we're all very sad about, just to balance out Michael saying, so that'll be nice <laughs> when describing it last week. Um, and other than that, I will put it out to um, Callum's favourite section and try not to well up at this point, Kenny Other Business. Callum has not got any other business. I'm very sure. disappointing. I'm very right. disappointed. I had something written down, but the tone of the podcast has has been very positive and very light. And, and well, we're all for balance. We're here for we're here. I for just the balance. want. I, I, do we? Do Do you really want me to round off this podcast with the Kenny other business hot take? 
which is absolutely mate i'm all about hot takes what, what is the hot take now i'm i'm very i probably i haven't just come on the pod of my first appearance this season to then just use it as a soapbox to say something hot take but it all stems from a i'm sure very very well read and very well educated caller on canary call on saturday night who who used his five minutes of canary call fame to to sort of wax lyrical about how we should have been trouncing um rotherham and how we should be barnstorming our way through um through this league and i i just wanted to sort of give my two cents on that like i don't think we should i don't think that we should come down from the premier league and be entitled to absolutely trounce this league um i think we've we had a very very good performance in the first time that we won the championship then we won the championship in exceptional way in exceptional quiet circumstances um the second time we did that so i think we've kind of as fans i completely understand that there's probably a lot of fans that have come into this championship thinking well we've we've done it twice and we've got half the players from the first time and the second time that we did it we've still got team Ipuki. why can't we do it again um and i just think that maybe as fans we need to maybe take a step back and say do you know what we we don't have the right to demolish this league and probably when we look back at those some of those performances in those years when we did absolutely smash these leagues um there was you know there were a couple of scraped wins against small sides we we didn't go to places like Rotherham and absolutely bulldoze them off you know how many times did we go to really small clubs that sat deep for 90 minutes and it was through one pure piece of brilliance from a player that we probably didn't deserve to have at our club that unlocked those defences and actually won us that game. So so Mike, any other business is, is I think a lot of Norwich fans need to just take a breath, as I'm now going to do, um, and just focus on the process that's going on here and, and remember actually the circumstances that we won a lot of those leagues in um and and if they think that the only way to win is to play fantastic football well we've done that twice in the premier league and it hasn't worked so that's my kenny other business that's my hot take very well said um and that is echoed by stephen bird who says yes my brother is also in the comments is your on, brother so. Stephen Bird? No, my brother. Oh, no, J- oh yeah, James yeah. Howard. Same surname. That's uh, that's the giveaway there. I mean, to be honest, that's a point that's probably that should have been higher up the agenda than any other business. I feel like I feel like you've you've but wasted. But it wasn't going in, in that the, direction. Uh, a- I didn't A-O-B. want to just suddenly. <laughs> you know, we well, were like, oh, so what do you think about QPR? Well, actually, I think all of our fans are wrong. It didn't feel like the right time. Yes, and just for the sake of everyone else's at, it's Callum uh, who's saying that all our fans are wrong and, and not any of us. Um, can I take all I'm of this? I'm feeling this, right? Uh, I'm going to back him up. There's a sense of entitlement set in with Norwich fans as soon as Paul Lambert made the team fight well above the standard of the squad's parts in the Premier League. Then... The last two championship seasons, in some ways, I mean, one of them fans weren't there, of course, but the one where fans were there, they were spoiled, um, rotten with the, the the standard and the entertainment value on show for the football. So uh, I think you're right, Callum. I think you've got to earn the right rather than just assume that you have it. And I think Norwich City fans would be well-placed to remember that the club is historically a second tier club and has no entitlement or divine right to be in the Premier League. And who was the last manager to keep us in the Premier League? Uten. And did he play fantastic champagne entertaining football that got everybody off their seats? Well no, but like I mean that's depressingly look bad football by the end of it. Mm. Like being four one or four four nil down and still having eleven men behind the ball in the last game of the season. Yeah, yeah no really into that. Um can I can I do a Kenny other business? Go ahead. 
The Qatar World Cup is an absolute shambles. It's a horrendous travesty that the greatest competition on earth has been taken to a nation like that and that has administered, I mean, obviously it was taken there by virtue of corrupt practices by FIFA, which have ostensibly gone unpunished. And now you have a World Cup happening that I could not be less excited about and will not be watching. Um, thank you to Scotland for not forcing me to have to watch some of it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Lionel Messi's last chance to win the World Cup, but I'll not be seeing it because, I mean, over 6,000 workers died in the process of building these stadiums in unsafe conditions. And uh, now the remaining workers that haven't actually died doing the job are being forced out of their houses in order to accommodate fans going over there. It's an absolute affront. And I mean, human rights. I mean, I, I don't think the parlance exists in that country. It's horrendous, and I'm done with it. And again, I cannot disagree with any of what you've just said. But on the other hand, come on, Gareth and the boys, let's bring it home. Uh, so, yeah. Still coming Josh, home, Stevie. And Josh Sargent. And it? yes, yes, if, yes. Thank you, Dan. Bearing in mind this is a Norwich City podcast. Come on, Josh. I don't care. Let's hope for a Josh Fortiada against England in a in a glorious uh, two one. I'm only going to watch US. the England game for Josh. <laughs> and if he doesn't start, then I'm probably not going to watch it. Oh well, um, I feel like we're veering off into. Uh, Can I posit another uh, Kenny other business? <laughs> of course. Yes. <laughs> What's it I'm about? Brexit, then? Pandora's box. Now it's all coming <laughs> out. Brexit. Uh, no, not. Uh, can I, do we think that Gabby Sarah's, Sarah's sorry, pass that led to Rosalind's goal is in its own way a tribute to Kenny McLean because he plays that kind of pass a lot and by extension, therefore, a tribute to Kenny Other Business as well? Well, I, I think Kenny tends to do it sort of in the opposite direction quite a lot where he hooks it over his shoulder, <laughs> often towards his own goal, sometimes forgets which way he's facing. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I think he, as as Sarah would have hooked the ball over his shoulder, over his great hulking shoulders, um, <laughs> he would have been thinking to himself, this is what Kenny would have done. Um, and that's all that any centre midfielder should really aspire to, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, I think let's let's just assume that everything that any Norwich City player does is in some way a tribute to wit's end. I feel, I feel like we're on safe ground there. Can, can I ask one last midfield question? Do you think Marcelino Nunez can play in a diamond? Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, he's played in that two with Hayden, hasn't he, in a 4-2-3-1, so I reckon he can play in the Kenny or Sarah role, or even at the tip of it. I, I would say, if anything, I think he would be better suited to a diamond than he has been to the formations that we've played so far, because I don't necessarily... I think he is more of that kind of Housens type player who's not really a sitter and he's mm. not really a number 10. Um, I think so probably I think... bad news for Todd. Yeah, the fact mm. that he's played quite well recently and still didn't get in ahead of Ramsey mm. uh, in that number 10 role. I mean, and, and certainly bad news as well for Onel uh, and for uh, Daniel Sanani, I would suggest if uh, if the diamond is here. Sinani has really disappointed me. He was my, I think he might have been my prediction for player of the season. Um, I definitely thought he was going to be in the mix. He, he um, was certainly Ryan Livermore's I, prediction for, for I, the next time he's on. Uh, let's remind Ryan of that one. Um, well, as we've all done a Kenny Other Business, I will finish with this. Um, I mean, and they haven't all been Norwich City related, which gives me license to ask this from Matt Gregory. Hi, guys. What's your view on bounties being removed from celebrations? Great three points of the weekend, OTBC. Thoughts? Gutted. Yeah, same. Can't stand them. So, I mean, for the sake of democracy, they should stay in there, but I, I wouldn't have been eating them anyway. <laughs> oh, I've actually got an answer to this, which is a dreadful impression. It's coconuts! <laughs> um, to remove bounties from celebration. Um, see, on the, see, it's a, it's a ridiculous... Do you want to, do you want to explain who that uh, was an impression of for the younger listeners? Uh, it was, yes, it was an attempt at Brian Blessed, but I don't know if I succeeded. I mean, I'm, I, mean I got it, yeah. Uh, I mean, it might You're cultivating the look as well as the voice. Uh, <laughs> not so much. Um I forget what it was. Aye, it was a ridiculous PR stunt done by a company uh, and yet every major media outlet ran it. Is that, is that the world we live in now? Well, Would you contemplate commentating for a full 90-minute match as Brian Blessed? 
at the Qatar uh, World Cup? The thing is, Dan, I did roly polies in the Real Madrid YouTube channel this week. Oh, sorry, last week. So, <laughs> what my, a roly poly? My, my line for how much I will ridicule myself is. Oh, you lit. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought that was some sort of some sort of vocal He's... exercise or something. Jam roly poly. Is is roly poly the and I feel like I'm saying it in a very posh it's way. The Scottish is it the Scottish forward role? role? Okay. Uh, it's, well, aye, but it's also kind of that's that's kind of a, a childish, euphemistic way of describing it. Maybe. Like uh, mm. like saying oblong instead of rectangle, which everyone stops saying oblong about the age of nine or ten. Such, My such favorite li- shape is a rhombus. Sorry. My favorite shape is a rhombus. <laughs> My favorite shape's a rhombus, and that's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note <laughs> that is all for today's On The Ball uh, the Norwich City podcast that's off to work on its Rotherham puns and Brian Blessed impressions uh, if you haven't already then make sure you subscribe to On The Ball via your podcast player of choice it's available free on your usual player just search Michael Bailey Norwich City or something like that on your preferred social platform and you'll see Michael's head pop up um, Daniel is waving at me <laughs> Can we get Stuart Hodge to say Dale Gordon's alive in uh, Brian Blessed's voice, please? I'm very happy, Hodgie, if you'd like to, if we sign off the podcast with you saying Dale Gordon's alive. Um, I'll just go through all this pre-written spiel uh, and then, and then. Sorry for interrupting. No, 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 no. I mean, this is the most tedious part of the podcast uh, because I'm about to say ratings and reviews are ever prompted, always highly appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, send Michael a direct message on Twitter at Michael J Bailey. And you can still send us your suggestions for topics to discuss either by emailing, Warning for Callum, Twitterkers at iCloud.com or by using hashtag Twitterkers, T-W-I-T-T-E-R-K-E-R-S on Twitter. So a massive thank you to our three guests tonight. Um, Callum, I'm sorry about those last two mentions of the word Twitterkers, uh, but I hope you've had a good time. I've had a fantastic time. It's been made all the more better to see Hodgie's Brian Blessed impression. <laughs> I didn't know. I was not expecting that at all when I came on. And, uh, and the world is a better place for me having experienced that this evening. So thank, thank you all you, for mate. having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, and uh, on the ball, see, let's go. Let's go ha- sign off this half season with a win. Well said. Uh, yeah, there's there's nothing that can't be made better by a Hodgy impression, good good or bad. Uh, and Stu, um, just to, I mean, obviously you've got your final sign off, but uh, thank you very much. And you're not even going <laughs> to. Oh, I <laughs> literally um, saving your just... voice for the Gordon delight. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, rhombuses and diamonds are very similar, which gives it a nice thematic end. But Dale Gordon's alive. I mean, we haven't finished yet, but... Um, <laughs> oh, have we not? Because <laughs> no, uh, I still have to say goodbye comment. to Dan. I mean, I can't top that, can I? Other than to say it's been a privilege and uh, I feel blessed, as always. Blessed, yeah, <laughs> to, uh, to be on the podcast. See what I did there. <laughs> it was ever so tempting to just not say goodbye and just literally finish <laughs> with Hodgie doing yeah. that. But um, Anyway, Michael's back and uh, hopefully doing a more professional job of hosting this next week for one final flourish. Uh, and uh, we'll have one more game to talk about then, the Borough game before the World Cup. Uh, Stu, over to you. See you at the weekend, mate. I think you were going to say Dale. I think you were going to say Dale. Yeah, I think that was how that was going to go. (laughs) Dale Gordon's alive! Thank you so much. (laughs) 